welcome to the show. Thanks for turning in, tuning in to Let's Face It. I'm your host, Will Strayhorn. Um, thanks for joining me this evening. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. I did. Still got some time to um, relax. I've been looking forward to the show. I've been getting a lot of contact through Facebook, through email, um, regarding the show. A lot of people thankful that I'm addressing the issue, and um, this is going to be just the first of a series of conversations, um, hopefully to reconcile um, both sides of the issue, um, to at least come to some type of um, understanding of what's going on in the church today and how many people are being affected by it. Um, Today I have three magnificent people who I've met, Um, one person who I've known for quite some time and two other people who I've just come to um, meet throughout planning this show, but who are awesome people of God um, and who definitely have something to say to you this evening. Um, The next um, show that we're doing, I have Rick Rollins out of Tampa, Florida, who is going to be contributing to the show on that evening. But um, throughout the ages, the Bible has been used to misinterpret, been used and misinterpreted to condone um, things like the ownership of slaves. Um, It's even been used to... um, keep women from preaching. But there's no other issue that has been the Bible has used to um, condemn other than the topic of homosexuality. So my guests this evening, they're here to share their stories of how it is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ while being gay and Christian. My first guest, um, I met this young man. We talked quite a few times in playing the show Awesome, Awesome Spirit, um, quite fond of him, Pastor Darren Phelps. He's the senior pastor and the founder of Bethel Christian Church in Washington, D.C. Um, pastor Darren was licensed to preach at the age of 15, and he's here to share with us um, how you can walk in your truth, the truth of who you really are, and still serve the Lord. Welcome to the show, Pastor Darren. How are you? Good evening. I'm doing very well, and thank you, Will, for uh, this great honor to share on your show. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to it. Um, I first want to get to, I was looking over your bio, I've read it quite a few times, and I saw that (laughs) quite a few times. At the age of 15, um, you were licensed to preach, and then you went on um, and got ordained, I believe at the age of 24. You've also pastored another church. Give us a little bit about your history. Sure. So again, uh, I just thank you for allowing me this opportunity and a quick shout out to the Bethel family who I know are on this call and supporting us and love you immensely for the work that we're doing for social justice and just uh, sharing the love of Christ. Uh, You know, my journey is uh, pretty much like other folks' journeys. You know, it's had their ups and downs in finding yourself but particularly starting uh, in New York City, um, you know, and growing up in New York, uh, I, I came to find God at a young age. I uh, wasn't necessarily born in the church, but came to find God uh, by, I would say, by accident, but nothing is an accident from God. Uh, and I uh, was able to be licensed at a young age, and then, as you mentioned, 24 um, pastoring my first church. It was actually 24 years ago um, that I've been pastoring um, before Bethel, uh, two other Baptist churches, and the Lord allowed us to found Bethel. So that's a little bit of my journey. You know, I've been married, have children. Uh, I'm a grandfather, and I appreciate you calling me young because I feel <laughs> and act young. <laughs> that's wonderful. So, so when did you first start to realize, okay, there's a call on my life. Sure. Well, you know, I I won't bore you with all of the details, but God Mm -hmm. spoke to me in dreams, very candid, very detailed dreams. Um, I was the child who was the problem child in school, and I was trying to run away one day from my house. It was a plethora of struggles, um, and I uh, found someone who found me and led me to Christ at Allen AME in Queens, New York. And, uh, and found my space there. Uh, even though there were people around me, my grandfather and other folks who believed in God and preached the word, uh, they were sort of on the peripheral, if you know what I mean. Uh, but God and I had a real 
collision, if you will, uh, with my destiny. And I said yes to God after some real soul searching. And I realized in my early days I thought I was going to be an evangelist. Uh, and that quickly dissipated uh, after just some ups and downs and sort of discovering that God wanted me to be a pastor. Uh, and I said yes to that. It didn't come easy, but I said yes. <laughs> okay, so in dealing with the subject of the show, man, yes, I want to bring please. it in a little bit closer. So did you have any type of an inner struggle going on? I'm sure, I don't know what type of family you were born in, but did you? Mm-hmm. Did your family know about your sexuality? Well, I'll say this, you know, uh, when I was younger, um, I did have what I would call some interactions, um, but not enough to constitute me thinking that I was same gender loving. Um, I certainly got married, but did not struggle during my marriage with same gender loving attractions. It was after us being married, and I married my high school sweetheart. I knew her since fourth grade. Uh, So my journey was quite different uh, in that when I came out of that marriage, God really opened up my door and realized why there was a lack of intimacy, why there was a lack of connection, why there was always a void. And as I preached this morning, I found myself walking uh, but being dead inside. Um, There was the answer that I was not living my authentic self. And it was less about sex and less about my sexual identity. It was more about my gender expression and who God had created me to be. And once I discovered that in my 20s, there was no turning back. Excellent, excellent. And I ask you that because um, even in me preparing to do this show, and I did this show, um, I have the first thing that I didn't really want to touch on the subject, but at the beckoning of a lot of people who are in my inner circle who feel that call um, on mm-hmm. their lives but who are afraid who are afraid of, number one, the criticism that they'll get from the mainstream church, um, who are not necessarily convinced. Now, and I use that word convinced because we're going to get to some other subjects later on in the interview, um, Mm -hmm. that um, God did call them. them. So that's why I asked somebody who has such, um, because, like I say, on all my my shows, I always do research. And I've researched you and I've seen where you are. Actually done a lot of work in in in, in Washington D.C. and abroad. Um, uh-huh. Work with politicians. You're, you're very active in the community. Um, so there has to be a great level of respect that um, people have towards you. And I, um, a well, lot of people I that I was that. speaking of, they um, they're listening. So um, I Thank hope they're you. finding inspiration in the words that you're saying. Thank so you. Let's move forward to um, in 2008. You founded yes. Bethel Christian Church in Washington D.C. August um, 2nd, and 2008. Uh, And tell us that story. I think that's a wonderful story. Absolutely. So, you know, in the search of trying to find a church that was not just affirming but inclusive um, and Pentecostal and charismatic and all of those things, there was none to be found. Um, There were churches that were affirming. There were churches that were on the low um, there was an even churches that may have tried to be inclusive, but not Pentecostal. I knew that there was a very different niche. And then on top of that, the social justice component that God had certainly laid on my heart to make sure that we not only allowed the people to dance and celebrate the goodness of the Holy Spirit, but to go out and feed the sick and make sure that there's voter regist- registration uh, and stand for our trans brothers and sisters and all of those pieces, you know, um, very, very important. And it was hard to find. And so five people gathered with me uh, in my living room. We prayed together. We talked about it. We did our homework, our research. We fasted. And we launched Bethel Christian Church. Um, And I will tell you this very quick story. Um, You know, and every time I turned my back on God um, and said, God, I'm not going to do this in my earlier days, I always found myself on my face. At a place called Bethel. It was either Bethel AME in New York City, it was either a Bethel AME down in Apopka, Florida, or Miami, Florida. God always had me in Bethel for some reason. But my members know that. Our members understand that there's a special place called Bethel. Yes. Um, so, in the church, I know that you said that you are. Um, you wanted to place that not, was not just affirming or inclusive. A lot of people don't know the difference. What's the difference between a church that's being um, affirming and a church that's inclusive? Sure. So being affirming is I am a same-gender-loving man um, that 
the church would say, we love you, you're okay to come in and sit with us, but we wouldn't necessarily use your gifts or explore who you are in the kingdom of God. And then in some cases, in the affirmative churches, uh, they may affirm you because they don't want to speak bad, but they really struggle with the notion of, of do we love the person, but we uh, constitute your sexual identity as sin. When you move to inclusivity, it means that I not only sit at the table, but I help you make the table, and I, help, and I work with you in serving the people who will also come to the table. Inclusivity means not just having same-gender loving people, but our trans brothers and sisters, white people, Latino people, people from different social economic statuses, uh, different people who have different uh, disabilities um, that can come to the table and be their authentic selves and know that there's something in them that God wants to use for the greater good. That's inclusivity. It has less to do with how I perform sexually and more about my intimate walk with God as my whole self. Well said. So basically what I'm hearing is that uh, affirmative church, basically they'll tolerate you there. Oh, Lord, you said it, and I'm going, if you were there, I'd run and slap you high five. (laughs) (laughs) They'll tolerate. Okay, so I've been to all of those. I don't want to be tolerated. It feels like I'm getting an injection that I don't want, you know? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I would have long about being tolerated. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So the goal is actually to find an inclusive church. Why do you think so many churches um, aren't there? I know back a a few years ago, um, Carlton Pearson, he was ousted and resigned from the church because he was preaching. Um, that churches should be more inclusive. Why do you think, even in this day and time, um, with mm-hmm. gay marriage soaring across the country, becoming legal, um, more people coming out into their sexuality, coming to who God created them to be, why do you think the whole issue of homosexuality is still so prevalent in, in the church? Well, I think a couple of things. First of all, we've got to deal with the fact that there are people who are allowing themselves, and I can talk candidly here, allowing themselves to be ignorant uh, and allowing them to use the gifts of same-gender-loving and gay and trans people and gender-nonconforming people without really reaching out beyond just what they think they know. Uh, That can cause somebody to be uncomfortable. Uh, And then sometimes we have allowed what has appeared at first glance of of the written text to allow us to subject people to abuse and hostile. That is nothing that God has planned for our lives. Uh, one of the things that I have a problem with is that you can't tell me that Jesus intended for the word of the Lord to be used as a weapon, as an arsenal to kill. Think about how many people are committing suicide and not taking care of themselves. Yeah. Think about yeah. how many people who are on the low gotten married and jacked up other people's lives because they have not dealt with the fact that God made you uniquely as a same-gender-loving, gay, transgender, non-conforming person. Think about the problems that we could squash just by letting people be who they are and we be who we are in the image of God. Mm, awesome. Do, do you think this is a black church thing in your experience? I, I, I would say that we, as people of color, certainly have uh, a little bit more struggle with it. But I would dare say that there are other cultures that struggle with this also. Um, But we certainly have been more uh, paramount than when you think about Fred Phelps, who recently passed away. I mean, there he was um, pronouncing death and pronouncing uh, me and my brothers and my sisters to to hell. He didn't care if we were gay or black or white. I mean, he didn't care if we were black or white or whatever. Everybody who was same gender loving or trans was going to hell, according to him. And he was a white man. (laughs) So, you know, uh, I, I would say that. Yes and no. Uh, it just depends on where you are. When when you were first coming into who you are as um, a teen, I would I would say probably into your twenties, as you were saying, um, were there scriptures that you struggled with? Because I know in myself, um, and to this day, still, I'll be honest with you, um, there's still that I'm still trying to grasp. Um, sure. In my research, I found out that the term. Um, homosexual actually didn't even exist until 1892. That's absolutely right. So I do know right. that I do know that um, throughout the years in the original translation that things have been um, retranslated in the different absolutely. in a different version. Mm-hmm. So um, how did you reconcile with those scriptures when you were first? Um, 
I was surrounded by some really good thinking people and, you know, Bishop Yvette Flunder, my bishop, and other yeah. people who are still with us, you know, Dr. James Forbes and so many people. Really, I sat with them and had some real deep conversation as I was figuring it out for myself. And there were a couple of things that I learned, and I'll go through these very, very quickly, is that when you look at the holy text, you've got to understand that there's a couple of things that God does for us. God gives us a Logos word and a Rima word. There's both the written and what is spoken. Now, in my Pentecostalism, I understand that the Holy Spirit is always alive and always speaking to us. So there are things in the text that I believe that I will read and I will see, but I come to the text with the wholeness and with the level of appreciating God's love for me, and I want to see how that text is going to operate in my fullness. But you've got to also ask some questions as you're reading the text. It's okay to ask questions. Who's the author of the text? Who wrote it? What are they saying in the text? Who are they saying it to? What, what, what were the words to be used, you know? You've got to think about the culture and the intent and the circumstance and the doctrinal pieces and the historical relevance. There's so much that goes into than just saying, oh, Jesus wept. <laughs> You've right, got to think right, about, right. well, who was around him? What was the time? You know, amen. And then ask the questions, well, who was missing and why? Uh, and I think that as we move to being educated in wholeness, we've got to ask those very key questions. Now, you asked me a very, 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 I tell you, one of the scriptures is liberating. There's so many uh, clobber passages that are used. But look at Jonathan, look at Jonathan and Saul, for example. You know, their relationship about their love was profound in the text. You start looking at how they made that covenant, and then they even met at night because they were afraid of what people would think about their love. That's powerful, isn't it? You can go to First yeah, Samuel yeah, 18 yeah. and start looking all around. There's a whole lot in there, Will, <laughs> that you start seeing how even after, uh, what, what did David say when David tore his clothes you know, because he mourned, I mean, Saul and Jonathan was killed, you know, in the battle, and David tore his clothes, and he fasted, because he went into deep mourning. He talked about right. how much he had lost. That's deep stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. not yeah. just some regular love, no brotherly love, amen. If you ever had some real love, y'all know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to behave myself. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. This is your show. This is your show. <laughs> wow. Okay, so in the Bible, yes, the Bible struggling in the people struggling with these, like you said, clobber passages, the the, the scriptures that people always throw at, throw mm -hmm. at, um, throw at you. Do you think that um, a lot of the times people are trained from their upbringing through tradition? Because I've had a lot of people that I've I've um, gotten close to who say, you know what, they've changed their whole opinion on. Um, homosexuality and especially homosexuality as opposed to Christianity. And sure. Because basically, when it, because they were taught as a little child that that was wrong, that was wrong, that was wrong. Absolutely. Think, like you said, a lot of people don't look at it with an open mind and look into the context of what it was written into, and they just go into, you know, this is what I've been taught was wrong, and this is That's what right. I believe. That's right. You know, I say a couple of things with that, and I'll respect your time, and, and thank you for this. You're um, good. No, you know, you're first good. of you're, all, you're you know, growing up, the level of ignorance around, and I'll say same gender loving, and I certainly don't want to disrespect our trans brothers and sisters and the same, uh, you know, gender nonconforming folks on here, um, that they always thought that we were perverted and that we were going to go after their children, you mm -hmm. know? And that how this was going to be a problem, uh, you know, if you were going to be gay because we were going to go after their boys and their children. There's something really wrong about that because it was more about intimacy and living my authentic self. Now, I know your time is running out. There's so many clobber passages. I would encourage people to really do their homework and look and see. And if you allow me some time, I can share off some resources and talk about that. But I yeah. just want to mention this one text, you know, in Second Samuel, since we just mentioned, um, you know, Saul and Jonathan, if I can, just one verse. Uh, in Second mm -hmm. Samuel, first, uh, uh, Second Samuel, the first chapter, twenty-three and verses uh, twenty-three and verses twenty-six, twenty-seven. It says, "Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely in life and death, 
they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. And here's the thing I want you to get. With Jonathan lies slain upon your high places, I am distressed for my brother Jonathan. Greatly beloved you are to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the passing love of a woman. Wow. Wow. What was what was that passage again? <laughs> oh, I'm what sorry. I got quiet. I promise you. Second Samuel, Amen. And you go to the first uh, chapter, verses twenty three, and then you can jump down to verses twenty six and twenty seven, Amen. And I never heard the that emphasis phrase. is really on those two verses. Yeah. Wow. Powerful That's... stuff. And then you can go to Jude, yeah. and you can see where they talk about the strange flesh. You know, that was not about a love between two people. That was the people attempting to wake the angels, you know, and having uh, uh, sex without permission. (laughs) That's not love. That's not what God ordained. And so when you go through even the Levitical Code and all that, you know, Lord, don't get me started. This is all about them uh, worshiping goddesses. We need to yeah. get this out because these are the scriptures that hold people back. Yeah. And this is why situations occur. This is, right. this is occur. the kind of stuff. Do your homework. Exactly. Amen. Yes, Lord. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, Lord. They were worshiping I have, I have the goddess. People, I have people message me saying that I'm about to shout, preach, pastor. So go ahead. You're fine. <laughs> I'm just saying. Listen, <laughs> You're this fine. is real stuff. They were worshiping idols, and they thought they can do anything they want to do with their body. You know, this is not how I was supposed to be. You know, Moses was talking about it the same way. He says, you can't worship these goats and these idols right there in Leviticus, but you want to use that same text to talk about it. And then the issue with uh, Solomon and Gomorrah, imagine, you know how many times, I've lost count how many times Solomon and Gomorrah was mentioned in the New Testament, and how Jesus even talked about it in the text and said, you know what their problem was? They didn't have hospitality. That's what their sin was. Their sin was not because they were having sex, amen, because they were partying. (laughs) That wasn't the issue. The issue is they wasn't welcoming. That's why Jesus said, when you go in there, my disciples, my followers, shake the dust off your feet and don't go into places that are not welcomed. In their arrogance, exactly. Hello, somebody. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm going to interrupt the interview because we do have a question that was just submitted through. Um, Annette from Chesapeake, Virginia. She says, gay marriage recently became legal in my state of Virginia. Okay, we're in Virginia. Hopefully she's listening. Annette, we're in Virginia. She says, gay marriage just recently became legal in my state of Virginia. My partner and I have been together for nearly 18 years and have two daughters and one son from previous marriages. We were married last month and are proud to call each other wife. We attend a church in our area that has a marriage ministry for the past five years, and when we attempted to join, we were turned away. We both were hurt. My wife no longer attends due to the embarrassment, but I still attend general services. Everything in me says leave and never return, but I love the service. Is it important to be in a church family that fully accepts and supports you, and do you recommend I leave? Now, I cannot recommend that you leave a church. Here's a couple of questions I want you to ask yourself, Annette. If you're being fed, um, then that's one thing. That's good. But I want to ask the question, where are you being fed? Are they putting you at the children's table, or are you allowed to sit at the Mm. other table with the grown people? you got to ask yourself, how are they treating you when you come in? Is this really God's holistic plan? Sometimes, sometimes in our lives, and we can misuse this, you know, it's my season and blah, 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 and shake it off. But sometimes, beloved, when we grow up and we know better, then our eyes are open and our ears are open. And that would ask us to ask God the question, what am I supposed to do? That disturbance is alone to ask, am I supposed to make good trouble while I'm there? Or am I supposed to pack my good holy Bible and carry my hind parts out of there and find <laughs> someplace else for God to feed my entire self and my family? That becomes the question. Wow. And then I'm trying to see if she's typing evidently. Karen from Athens, Ohio. Hello, Karen. How do you deal with a friend who claims to love you but constantly says that they don't condone my lifestyle or recognize my relationship. She says she prays for me and always claims that I am oppressed by a spirit, in quotations, 
sexuality. I know her friendship is genuine, but it totally infuriates me when she makes it seem that I chose to be who I am blessed to be. Do I need a friend like that? <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. You just made me rocket shout. I'm glad I'm at home at my desk. <laughs> Ooh, Lord, have mercy. Listen, Karen, let me, let me, let me, let, Lord, I don't have enough time, Will. You um, First of all, let me say this. Um, we have to think about who is making the deposits in our life as we're taking the journey towards wholeness. If you are at a place in your life where you're constantly on guard and not your authentic self. Now, now this is the other piece I want to mention before I go on. You do realize that you get to decide what normal is. See, the reality is that they're expecting you to act a certain way or do a certain way or because sometimes they could be unhappy about your love. But here's the reality. No love should ever be abusive. And if that love is coming abusive in the spiritual sense, you know, I had a pastor tell me one time he was going to take my ordination papers back, Karen, and you know what I told him? Let me know where to meet you, and I'd be glad to give you my papers back. (laughs) Because your signature on the papers does not define the calling and my walk in and with God. Now, amen, amen. But I would say this, the text that says, how can you walk together unless you are agreed has less to do with marriage and more about healthy relationships. You can't walk together with that person in wholeness. How is it? You know, what is she praying for? That you're deeming possessed? Well, tell her to come on to Bethel, honey. I promise you, when we start spinning around, it's not our heads spinning around. We're trying to shake off the mess that we got to deal with outside. Tell her to just come on in, and you'll have straight people and black people and white people and young people and trans people coming to church. She'll really get jacked up if she's having a problem with just the two of you expressing your love. Amen? So I would pray on it. I would think about it. But it sounds to me you've already made your decision about what's going on. And sometimes, and I'll close on this, people help us to make decisions for us. Because as I've said before, and I said it this morning, I don't know why we stay places where we're not welcomed. Mm -hmm. But you know what? In in near defense of that, a lot of places aren't as blessed as your region, D.C. and Atlanta. Atlanta has a lot of inclusive churches. Um, I don't know, where, where is Karen from? She's in Ohio. I'll speak for Virginia. There are um, churches Virginia in Ohio. Have, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in our general area of the Hampton Road area, there is the Great Awakening, who um, um, Evangelist Jenkins is going to be going to talk about that, and we do right, have right. Um, Elder Chris, who's going to talk about his ministry. But as far as the, um, what, what is the word for it? Um, the environment that, your church creates. Right. And a lot of people, like the people who have been talking to me, they compare it to different churches in the area that they're looking for something that's like, and there really isn't anything in this area. What, so a lot of them are forced to sit there under someone who is con- constantly spearing hatred. Right. right. I myself have been a victim. That's why I tell people, and I joke about it, I belong to most of the churches in this area because I'll sit there until you tick me off, and then Uh-oh. I'll leave. You don't have to tell me twice. So, right. Um, I you know, Will, I, I've got some really interesting news to tell you that I get pushback from straight people who want to know what the hand fat I'm doing. I get that. But if I were to put on a scale every three people that tell me something negative about the ministry, most of it will come from the same gender loving people who'd rather go really? to churches where they are being abused or they never know when someone's going to clobber them from the pulpit or whatever. You'd be surprised. Now, you may say that there's a lot of inclusive churches, but there really isn't. There may be affirming churches. There may be ministries here that allow you to go to get a good sweat on, a good dance on. But really transforming your mind and your thinking to wholeness, I don't know if we have a lot of those places. And I'm certainly not talking bad about any of my brothers and sisters. There's a very different type of work and ministry there. Amen? And I just want to be clear about Bethel's calling. We're not just here for you to feel good. We want you to get to the place of being whole and transform and then bless someone else. 
Straight women come to the church. Straight men come to the church. And they're not bothered by who I am and how I am because we get to define normal. But you'd be surprised, Will, how many people are same the loving, trans, whomever, don't want to come and would not be seen in those places because they, too, have some self-loathing that has to be unpacked. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people do have to deal with that, the, the, the mentality. Mm-hmm. They have to free their minds first. That's free right. Exactly. Um, but that brings me to a question. So do you notice in your experience, um, because in my circle, the people that I talk about, a lot of them have given up. Do you notice a lot of people, especially um, those same gender-loving people, who have pretty much given up on church as a whole? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, and that's the beauty, and I'll go back to Bethel because, you know, I'm partial. Uh, If I were to look at the percentage of our congregation, the percentage of our congregation, the people who have not been in church or haven't been in church in a while, even if they were, their understanding of God has rapidly changed, um, you know, and that's beauty. We don't have church hoppers and people that come from other places. These are people hungry from God. These are people who come from the streets or come from other places where they were abused and had to crawl their way and fight their way. So I, I, it, it's a beautiful place, you know, um, very, very different. Um, we are intentional about where we fish and how we fish. Exactly, exactly. Well, Pastor, Pastor Darren, I have enjoyed this first half of the interview. We're going to take a brief break right now. We're going to come back with um, Elder Chris and Evangelist Melissa. So we're going to take a break. You're listening to Let's Face It on the Survival Radio Network. I'm your host, Will Strayhorn, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a reputable company that offers human resource consulting services, workshops, and speakers for individuals and organizations? Give Miss PDW Enterprises a try. PDW topics cover building your personal brand, job seeker preparation, and business planning workshops. Visit their website at www.misspdwenterprises.com or give them a call at 678 678- 360-4112 PDW Enterprises LLC where engagement is key. Be sure to let them know SRN sent you. Do you want to take your business to the next level? Ultimate Business Solutions provides the support you need to increase your customer base and sell more products and services online. Specializing in graphic arts, web development, and internet marketing, Ultimate Business Solutions creates the face of your business. If you're looking for a custom logo, dynamic website, or popping marketing material, call Ultimate Business Solutions today at 404-704-2197 or visit www.ultimatebizsolutions.com. Ultimate Business Solutions. Let us create your future. Welcome back to Let's Face It. I'm your host, Will Strayhorn. We've been talking in the first half of the show with Pastor Darren Phelps out of Washington, D.C. He's the senior pastor and the founder of Bethel Christian Church. We're now being joined to the interview by Elder Christopher Bush Winston. He's the founder of Open Arms Ministry in Hampton Roads, Virginia, um, and also Evangelist Melissa Smith Jenkins. She is a member of the Great Awakening United Church of Christ in Portsmouth, Virginia. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? Doing well. Is this Melissa? Yes, this is. Hi, Melissa. Chris, are you here too? I'm here. All right. Um, so we, all of us are on the call now. I want to first start by just acquainting the listeners with you all. So let's start with Melissa. Melissa, just give us a little bit about who you are, how you came into your realization of who you are, and ultimately accepting your call to ministry. And then we'll do the same with Chris. Okay, my name is Melissa Smith Jenkins. I am married. I have 15 children, 10 which reside at the house. Um, I decided to come out at the age of 33. Um, Basically, it was a difficult thing for me because I had been working in ministry at other organizations and coming out about your sexuality wasn't part of the plan. So I had been living this lie, marriage after Mm -hmm. marriage, divorce after divorce, 
until I just came and said, God, this is not what I want. This is not working for me. So on my 33rd birthday, I sat down and I prayed to God and I explained to him, I said, God, I love you and I want to serve you and I want to continue to serve you. And I love a woman and there's, I, I can't keep fiddling around this. So, Lord, I just ask you, Lord, to be there for me and just place me in a place where I can go and worship you in spirit and truth. And that was at the age of 33, and I found the Great Awakening in 2007. Oh, wow. Wow. And Chris? Well, um, you wanted me to start, I guess, with the, you know, where I, I kind of came out with ministry? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, first I started out um, in ministry originally in kind of the traditional ministry. I started when I was 16 years old, actually being a youth minister um, at non-open and affirming churches, non-inclusive churches. And uh, so at that point, I was originally licensed uh, as a minister in the Church of God. And then later, um, actually, I... I remember coming out, I was actually, and, and this will tell you, I guess I'm always honest, I was I was actually going to a uh, a cash advance place, and I was coming back to town. And I don't know, maybe it was just I felt bad about going to the cash advance place, but I called my mom. I was in my early 20s, and I said, Mom, I'm gay. And so I was, at that point, I was still in ministry. I stepped down later from that ministry. And uh, then started going to an affirming ministry after actually I entered into a relationship. Um, and uh, then, of course, I am married. Uh, we've been together for, we're going on six years now, Xavier. I'm married to Xavier Bush Winston. And uh, we have been married in March, will be for three years. Great. And um, basically now we're uh, actually in Norfolk, Virginia. And we are starting and working with a ministry called Open Arms Outreach Ministries. And, and you founded that ministry yourself, correct? That's correct. Uh, we are uh, we're just starting. We're actually meeting with bi- just Bible studies right now. We're trying to expand, and um, God is doing a great work here. Uh, but definitely, we are we're moving forward. Uh, we're uh, our ministry, by the way, is part of. Uh, a fellowship, a denomination known as the Affirming Pentecostal Church International. So just as Pastor Darren, uh, we we did see a, a lack and a need for not only an affirming and inclusive ministry, but we needed also an affirming Pentecostal spirit-filled ministry as well. Okay, okay. And that, I think that's exactly what the people who, um, and Chris, you know a couple, you and I, hang out a lot, but um, some of the friends that um, we're both friends with, mutual friends, um, are looking for that, I think, that Pentecostal flavor that, they're, um, that mm-hmm. they that they feel is missing. Um, so my, my next question is to all three of you. So given the, the negative attitudes, or well, I say that sometimes negative attitudes, but it's more so than not, um, towards the LGBT community uh, from Christian leaders, heterosexual leaders, has it been your general receptance? Um, has it been negative? Are you are you openly received usually by your um, heterosexual colleagues in the ministry, or what's been your experience with that? And we can well, start I with Melissa. Okay. Okay. First, for me, um, as far as my heterosexual companions within the ministry, I started off in the military, so I retired after 20 years of being in the Navy. So for me, it was more of a, if you know, then you know. It wasn't something that I, you know, just put out there or volunteer information, but I wasn't ashamed of it at the same time because I grew up under the don't ask, don't tell. So until that, you know, fell off, you know, it was something that you just didn't speak about. And when it came to the ministry, for me at the first beginning, I wasn't received well. That's why I had to find somewhere else to go because I was just getting beat up. I was getting beat up with the clobber packets. I was getting beat up with, you know better. We, we've taught you better. And it, I just wasn't received well. And I think that's probably why I went on a hiatus for about a year because I was just so confused. All right. And Chris? 
Um, yeah, for me, um, I, I kind of echo her story. One of the things, um, I'll just be honest with people, um, you know, I, I didn't need anyone to reject me. I had already seen enough people rejected that I won't going to have it. <laughs> so I tell people with no, with no shame, I, I ran. When, when people went and, you know, when I knew I was coming out and I was dating somebody, uh, particularly when I was at the church that I really first entered ministry, um, the pastor uh, of that specific ministry, his son was gay. And he was not treated in any way that I felt that re- represented the love of Jesus. And so when I would decide, when I realized that this is who I am and I came out, um, I, ha- I hightailed it out of there. And um, the church and people in the church as a whole, um, and I have to be careful to pray because it scars you so much um, that sometimes I have to pray to not become bitter because the church people, for lack of a better way, they're awful. Um, They're awful and they're abusive and people don't even want to talk to you. Um, They don't even want to talk about the subject. They don't want to change their opinion. They don't want to even hear an opinion. It's just, you're one of those people, you're choosing to sin and you're going to hell and that's where they leave it at. Pastor Darren, I know that you shared about the the person in your in your ministry license. Is there any other um, situation or input that you want to give on this question? Pastor Darren, I think he got disconnected. Okay, he'll be back on. Uh, let's move to my next question then. Um, so. I know that to ask pastors and churches who have preached, you know, that homosexuality is a sin, um, it would be hard to just get them to change their message. But what do you guys think can be done to make the environment more welcoming to those who are LGBTQ Christians? Even if the church still, you know, believes and taught that gay gay relationships are sinful, what do you think can be done to make the environment better? And you can just speak freely. Okay. For me, what I think that could make the environment better, like we were talking about earlier, you can come in, you can you can shout, you can praise, but you can't work in ministry. You can't do this. I don't think there should be stipulations on what you can do within the church. I hear so many times that people say, hey, we, we welcome you. We don't care, you know, what your sexuality is. You just can't be in our choir. I mean, mm-hmm. if praise God and I was born to worship him, then you're putting a stipulation on my praise with God. How am I going to fully develop? And to, you know, a mature Christian where I'm getting the meat if I can't get past the milk. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. that, that, that's, that's what it is for me because I've heard that so much. Even in the classes that I take, we don't offer a lot unless you go to Virginia Union as far as your denomination and going in ministry. So right now I have to go to a Catholic school. And you hear stuff like that. You hear about homosexuality all the time. Well, that's not what God said. And it deters a lot of people. And that's the problem that we have in church. That's why we got more people in the street at the clubs in our gay organization rather than the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you say about that, Chris? Um, I, I 100% go along with Melissa. Uh, one of the big things, though, is as I begin to try to dialogue with people on the subject, um, I found it even more difficult um, now with, say, when we talk about churches that are, as Pastor Darren was saying, maybe, and I wouldn't even refer to those specific churches as affirming. I would just, I would, I would, I would consider or refer to those churches as transitional, mm-hmm. and or not even transitional because they're not transitioning. <laughs> but um, when we talk about those churches, I think one of the biggest problems is is that it's a conundrum. At the end of the day, for those people, being gay is a sin or it is not, in their opinion. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be very difficult for people to truly accept gay people in a way that LGBT, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people consider loving 
if they're not accepted into ministry. Just like Melissa said, one of the big things that was a big problem for me is, and is a big problem, is that for me finding a place, say, in ministry, the biggest issue is that I'm not a member, I am a minister. So if I'm not allowed to minister, like Melissa said, I, I have no use at your church. Mm-hmm. And and in, and in turn, I really have no use for God to, or to God. And so at that point, though, for those people, it's still, however, a sin that I'm in. So I understand from their perspective why they're slow to allow you. But I think that the key that for people to begin to allow uh, people to to feel more welcome is that they've got to first get to a point where they're willing to discuss the scriptures. And I think as a whole, where I run into an issue is people are not even willing to discuss the the, the scriptures about homosexuality. They're not even willing to look and to say, well, maybe we got it wrong, or maybe we can deal with it a little fear. bit differently. It, it is fear. Yeah. Welcome, welcome back, Pastor Darren. Well, hello. I'm not sure what happened, but, hey, we're talking about uh, yeah. technology. You're back. You're back. I'm glad you're back. Um, the question that I posed, and um, I especially wanted to ask you because you're a pastor, um, given the situation with um, there not being a lot of affirming or even inclusive churches in the area, so if you're um, – if it's a church that still teaches and believes that gay relationships are sinful – what can be done to create a more welcoming environment to those people who are coming to your church that are members of the LGBTQ community? Sure. Well, you know, let me say a couple of things. And, again, I, I, my context of, sp- of speaking is certainly from my own personal years in ministry, but yeah. um, I'm honing in on Bethel. Um, one of the things that we really pride ourselves in is not being a gay church. And what do I mean by that is making sure that the messages that come from the pulpit, the topics in which we approach, are holistic. Um, we are not just trying to make you feel good with your sexual identity or expression, but making sure that we still talk about forgiveness and fasting and talk about all of the pieces that help you to live a holistic life. So when you think about what is it that needs to be said or done to help someone make that quote-unquote transition to come into Bethel, for example, well, you know, we don't stand up every Sunday and say, you know, God made me just the way I am, and okay, that's good. Now, that may work for the church down the street, and God bless you, and that's good, and I respect that. But for us, we have found that the folks who have been coming to Bethel need more than just being a affirmative towards their sexual identities, but more about their mind, their body, their soul, and all of those pieces that go into that. And then um, part of what we do is make sure that we're clear, you know, and you, you said you did your homework, so you know in our doctrines and on our website, we spell out the fact that we still believe exactly. in God and the priesthood of every believer yeah. and baptism and communion, and we show the people that we're not the two-headed monster, if you will, that we're still clear. And I'll say this, one of the things that is very important to me as a pastor is that we did not throw the baby out with the bathwater. There were some things that as we traveled from the quote-unquote traditional church to birthing Bethel, that worked. But there was a lot that didn't. And so we didn't Mm -hmm. want to be so drastically different, but we wanted to be whole. And so how do you marry the two and keep that balance? That's the struggle and the healthy tension that we must do. So you got to speak about forgiveness and, you know, not living a dead life and walking and, you know, all those kinds of things, because that's important. And that transcends whether you are same gender loving, gender nonconforming, if you're black, if you're white, if you have a job, no job, eating out of trash cans or not. Uh, those messages empower the believer. Hmm. Also, Brother Will, I wanted to throw in something as well. Yeah. Um, one of the things I think is that also along that lines is people have forgotten just common courtesy with ministry. We've gotten so we've gotten so highfalutin that we've forgotten just the basic things. I think at the end of the day, 
we just have to, if churches want to start, you know, being welcoming, they have to just be welcoming. They have to be able to talk to people, to be able to be courteous, to be loving and to treat people with respect, to be able to shake people's hands, those type of things. And when what happens when, when LGBT people come in, especially, and I know Pastor Darren brought this up earlier, trans people, you get a, a person who looks, who, who appears outwardly to be trans, it's amazing how people will treat them and, and just feel that that's what God has told them to mistreat this person. If they want, if, if churches want to start, at least start being more welcoming, they've got to find that common courtesy where they can just speak to people as human beings. Did you have anything to say with that, Melissa? I, I was about to start shouting over here. I mean, oh, everything, everything Pastor saying and Chris is saying is, is on the money because a lot of us in our community have been church hurt. So when we go to a church, we want to feel welcome. We want to know that it's real. We want to know that it's genuine. We want to know that you're going to accept this just like we are. You don't want to be considered a gay church. I mean, some of our community, right. they label that for people could come so they know, hey, this is a safe place. I can go here. I can worship. Because we want everybody to know that we praise God just like you do. I had my mother-in-law, and she, you know, she doesn't accept it, but she loves me just like she loves her daughter. And one of the comments she made when she went to church with me is, y'all praying and y'all worship God like we do. I said, yes, ma'am. We <laughs> serve the same God. And that, but to them, that's like, wow, I don't know what they expect us to do. But we're going to go in there and praise God in spirit and in truth. We don't have time to be playing. This ain't at the club and doing all this. We're there to worship God. And we do it the same as our heterosexual brothers and sisters, the same as our transgender brothers and sisters. We just want to worship God, and we want to have that liberty and that freedom. Exactly. Well said, well said. Um, let's move the conversation a little bit towards um, people who claim they want to fix Fix you. Last year, um, Exodus, we're all familiar with Exodus, which is like the ex-gay therapy, um, International issued an apology to the LGBT community for any damage that they had done to um, the LGBT community and claiming to um, pretty much fix you, turn you heterosexual. Do you guys believe that it is possible to pray the gay away? Well, Will, if that's true, I don't think my prayers have been answered because that doesn't work for me. I think I, most people have at some point said that this is not what I want to do. This is not, you know, because of their oppression from society, from your family, and even before you really get into the word for yourself to find out what it says, um, sometimes you say, well, okay, yeah, I am doing something that's wrong if you read it in, in um, some context. Um so my question, again, to Dr. and to Pastor Dan, I really want to hear from you as do you think it's possible? Have you ever seen it happen and be genuine? Because I know I look at the news and I see, you know, famous pastors and preachers who you've, who's portrayed one way and then, you know, something comes out of the news that they've done this or they've been caught doing this or that. So do you think it's possible? Have you ever seen it done? Anybody being cured from being well? You know, I will say this, and I'm smiling and rocking in my seat, William, <laughs> that I certainly am not a peeping Tom, so I cannot uh-huh. see what people are doing in the dark. But I right. will tell you this. In my history of being pastor and minister, I've had a lot of preachers come to me by night and by day. They've got their wives with their hats on, uh, and I'll just say that. And that hasn't happened like 10 years ago. Some of this has happened even recently. Amen. Bless the Lord. And what I say by that is this. Um, There is some problem with what we say from the pulpit because there are preachers who have some power to change and really cause some destruction in people's lives. And I must say that if I were to rank some of the things that disgust me the most about certain people who are in the clergy, that certainly would rank right to the top. Let me be clear. I do not believe 
If God wanted us to not be gay, God would not have created the Enoch in the Bible. Uh, even when they tried to castrate the Enoch, it did not change who that person was. Amen, somebody. But the yeah, reality yeah. is, is that once we embrace who we are and we get it, I know there are people who, who have cried about being white and being black and being poor. We certainly have gone through a lot of issues in our lives. That comes with the territory of living. But the reality is, once you understand that God has made you and breathed life in you, and it's our job to hold fast to that faith and understand that whosoever will cause, Amen. Nobody can take that away from you. So you can pray, and I understand that, but what I do this will, you are not going to pray over me. Don't get your little oil that you paid a dollar for and then come and try to anoint me to pray something away. I don't need your doily. I don't need your holy water. I'm fine. Matter of fact, I'm saved, sanctified, and amen. And what the church folks say, Holy Ghost filled. But the reality is this. I also have some common sense. And here's where the common sense comes in. If God didn't want me to be who I was, I would have never had to pray that away. Because too many times in my life when I have done wrong, and God knows I've done my share of it, God would have intervened at the right time to prevent me from living this life. Why would it be that here I am, 48 years old, and be happy in myself and, and be surrounded with people who are also happy with themselves, who are gay, straight, bi, trans, the list goes on and on. God is not the author of confusion. God knows what God was doing. Yes, yes. Well, I want to thank each of you for your contribution. And, again, I'm going to be calling on you because this is going to be, like I said, a series that I want to talk about because it's it's really, really – and I talk to Nathan, um, my partner, a lot about um, – this issue, and sometimes he's like, well, why is it so strong in your heart? I don't know why God has really laid this on my heart, but I know I've dealt with a lot of hurt in the church, um, and like I said, I belong to most of the churches in my area, just seeking for what I have not found yet. Um, so I thank you for your contributions, and is there anything that you guys like to say in closing before um, we say goodbye? I would like to throw out something, uh, and Pastor Darren had hit on this, and I, I really thought this is as important. I think it is important for people in the LGBT community to not to love themselves and to not beat themselves down. Um, what he, what he said earlier, it, it, and it, it resonates, and it's one hundred percent what was on my heart. Um, it's not necessarily just the non-affirming, non-inclusive, non-welcoming church that has the issue, it's actually the gay people themselves. And and Pastor Darren says that that it's 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 more opposition. It is I one hundred percent say that. It is one hundred percent more of the opposition of the LGBT community than the than the, the heterosexuals who are, are are pounding us and telling us that, you know, we're doing wrong. Um and I, I've seen that as a whole that as in building, you know, now we're building the ministry. There's so many people who I meet in our community who can't accept a gay pastor. They can even accept a DL pastor. They can accept a pastor who's in the closet, but they can't accept an old and open pastor. They and, and we've got to a place where now we beat ourselves up about that. And so above all, we've got to be get to a place where we are uh, – we are definitely loving ourselves as same gender loving people and gender uh, gender nonconformist. Yeah. Hey, Will, can I before yes. Melissa come just run off a couple of resources real quick? Yes, yes. Okay, go to the website Many Voices. Many Voices. Go to that website. Reverend Harmon has done a great job in putting some resources on there. Bishop Yvette Flunder, the book Where the Edge Gathers. Jeff Miner has a great book called The Children Are Free. Reverend Gomer has a book called The Good Book. Bishop Gene Robinson has two books that are really powerful. One is called The Eye of the Storm, and the other book is God Believes in Love. And then the last one, well, two others. You've heard about Bishop Carlton Pearson's The Gospel of Inclusion. But I also want to throw out a new book that I'm reading right now. Matthew Vine wrote a book, God and the Gay Christian. 
God and the gay Christian. I'm actually reading that now. And, and thank Pastor you for this opportunity. If you give me those, I'll put those on the website so that people can we'll get the do. website and get those. We'll do. All right, and real quickly, Melissa, I'm sorry, we're almost out of time. If you have any closing words. I just want to thank you for having me on the show. And, of course, I want to plug The Great Awakening on 1520 High Street in Portsmouth, Virginia. If anyone's ever in the area, our service starts at 830 in the morning, and we would be glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you all so much, and I'll be in contact with you, and have a good evening. All right. Bless you all. God bless you. God bless you. So, next Sunday, um, did you guys know that nearly 12 million people in the United States suffer from sex addiction? Approximately 40 million people in the U.S. are sexually involved through the Internet. And sex is the number one topic researched on the Internet. Next week, let's talk about sex. From Sunday, November the 16th, my guests are Dr. Janet Hall, She's a sex therapist and a clinical psychologist from Australia. And Jeff Schultz, who is a licensed professional counselor and certified sex addiction therapist from Arizona. So I want to thank my guests, um, Pastor Darren Phelps from Washington, D.C., Melissa Smith-Jenkins, and Christopher Bush-Winston. I am your host, Will Strayhorn. Let's face it, in life you're going to be faced with many choices. But the most important choice that you'll ever make, and get this, is when you choose to be bold, be beautiful, when you take make the choice to be you. So until next time. Thank you for listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and friends on the Survival Radio Network. Please be sure to visit us on the web often at letsfaceitradio.com for the latest in show information, including upcoming shows, special guests, spotlight interviews, as well as exciting, innovative ways that you can be part of the show. So tune in next week for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it.